Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Sounds Familiar. My name is Caleb, and there will be no drinking, no drugs, no kissing, no tattoos, no piercings, and no ritual animal slaughters of any kind. My name's Stephanie, and I know Shakespeare's a dead white guy, but he knows his shit, so we can overlook that. My name's Justin, and someday you're gonna get bitch slapped, and I'm not gonna do a thing to stop it. (laughs) I like how me and Justin both had quotes from the same guy. Um, I loved yes. him. <laughs> yeah, he was great. Um, I really needed his energy when I was teaching high school. Um, so, uh, in case you didn't recognize any of those quotes, <laughs> this week we're going, we're, we're doing, we're going to high sh- school. Sh- <laughs> Shakespeare does modern high school rom com. Or more like modern high school rom-com does Shakespeare. That's probably more accurate. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so... Shakespeare didn't have a say in the matter. Modern high school rom-coms <laughs> did, so... I think he was only turning over in his grave so much. But I, th- I think more or less they stayed true to the spirit. of things, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... God, as... God help him, he's got the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> as... As it is February, uh, the month of Valentine's Day, we are doing a uh, another theme month, and the theme this this month is uh, l- love. <laughs> um. <laughs> we were gonna do a whole month of rom coms, but we weren't gonna subject Stephanie to that. Yeah, please, not. I, you know, I had to put in my sad Ste- romance. Here Stephanie somewhere. hates rom coms with the fervor of a teenage boy. I no. <laughs> Listen, it's not even that I hate them, it's that they frustrate me because I love romance, but I don't generally much love the romance that rom-coms are serving. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, we are also doing some some sadder, more, I guess, high-stakes romantic movies this month. Uh, not this week, but this month. Um, and that is generally my preference. Now, people think that I like sad romance. That's not really true. I like romance that gives me some intensity and some drama. You know what I mean? Drama that doesn't revolve around, Jesus Christ, if they talked for 10 seconds, yeah. this misunderstanding <laughs> would be over with. <laughs> but they're in high school. That's why, that's why right, it's set I, here. I mean, that's it totally lets fair. them write bad. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was my first time seeing both of these. Yeah. Um. Actually. Uh. Yeah. Just to just to clarify. Um. Wait. Okay. So we already talked about what our point of comparison is, more mm-hmm. or less. Uh. Just to clarify, theoretically speaking, <laughs> uh, Ten Things I Hate About You" is based on "The Taming of the Shrew" by William Shakespeare, and "She's the Man" is based on "Twelfth Night," also by William Shakespeare. Um. And Twelfth Night, uh, she's the man, actually put that in the opening credits. They were just like, oh, yeah, it's based on Twelfth Night. And I was like, wow. Did Ten Things I Hate About You not do that? I I thought it did. Did it? I actually don't remember. I don't know. I didn't pay enough attention to specifically recall it. Yeah. I know there's a lot of Shakespeare references in it, but I don't know if they already said it. Direct quotations of the source material. Uh, Yes. Also, 
Uh, also what? worth noting, both of these films were written by the same writing team. Uh, Karen Scala and Kirsten Smith wrote both uh, both of these movies. Different directors, God, I... same screenwriters. Wow. I love it when I make a point of comparison and then am justified <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> and everything just falls into place. It's I didn't know that until five minutes ago. <laughs> so they have to be Shakespeare stands. They're like, by God, we're going to make some dumb teen rom-coms that are based on Shakespeare. Yeah, we're going to make some movies that high school teachers will be able to show their kids in a in a yeah. desperate attempt to get them interested in Twelfth Night. Yes, honestly, yeah. I, why didn't I think of that? I had to teach Twelfth Night to my uh, English 3 class. Wow, Stephanie. They hated it. <laughs> <laughs> and I hated my life. Uh, so... I- <laughs> I, I guess I'll go ahead and say uh, I I am familiar with a lot of Shakespeare. These two plays, not so much outside of adaptations like this. Ah, I have actually seen both of these pro- done professionally or semi-professionally. Uh, I've seen Twelfth Night twice. Um, and yeah. T- yeah, I saw Taming of the Shrew by uh, at Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, fantastic production. Um, I saw Twelfth Night when Gulf Coast, uh, commu- uh, when our local community college did it. Oh, right. It and then I time. saw Twelfth Night again at the, uh, Alabama the Alabama Shakespeare, Shakespeare Festival. Festival. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think those are the only productions that I've seen as well, because I saw three of those, too. Um, yeah. And of course, I've also seen the uh, the Twelfth Night movie from the nineties. I have not. Um, Me it's it's all right. That's it's pretty good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that I don't think I've seen a movie adaptation of The Taming of the Shrew though. Um, I think there's like an old one. I, I'm not almost certainly probably sure. starring yeah starring Olivier someone. or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um. Yeah, so, I don't know, I guess let's go ahead and get into... the 10 Things the I Hate About ten. You? Yeah, 1999. I have never seen this movie before, and I really, really liked it. I had a fantastic time watching this movie. Um, I love Heath Ledger, the whole cast is great. David Krumholtz is hilarious. Um, I was like, is that the, that's the guy from Walk Hard! Um, my man has sounded like a middle-aged Jewish comedian since he was in high school, apparently. <laughs> I know. No, he was really funny. Um, I, I liked him a lot. Um, yeah, I would say this is one of the more tolerable teen rom-coms of the era. Um, For sure. We will also be talking about Clueless this month. That's another not-too-bad one. Um, yeah, the, there were a lot of this kind of movie around this time period, I feel like, to varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's it's not so much that it's a lost art, it's just not quite as popular as it once was for whatever reason, I guess. Right, in the last couple of years we've gotten Booksmart and... Uh, to, all the, <laughs> to All the Boys I've Loved Before, that one was pretty big. I've never even heard of that one. Mm-mm, God, Caleb... Um, yeah, get with the times, Caleb and Justin. Netflix. It, it's a, it was a Netflix little fucking rom com. I gotcha. With that little twink that I don't care for, Noah Centineo. That one. Can we say that word? Can we? Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> I'm a member of the queer community, but I guess I'm not technically the right the right letter for that one. Um, 
Let's go Ste- back. Can we cut Ste- that? <laughs> Stephanie, <laughs> was this your first anyway, experience what? with 10 Things I Hate About You? Uh, no, actually. I've seen the movie a couple times before. I actually watched it, I think, for the first time in college because I heard it was pretty good. So I was like, ah, what the hell? I'll give it a shot. Um, I actually liked it a fair amount. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's the thing is that it hits a lot of the similar beats of like a stereotypical teen rom com, but I don't. It's just more tolerable for reasons I can't quite express. I don't know. I get it feels um, more sincere. Heath Ledger maybe. is always charming. Heath Ledger I... is so good. <laughs> I wish he did more of these kinds of movies. I mean, maybe he didn't. I'm just not aware of it, but. He's just, like, his jawline takes up half the screen. It's amazing. Mm. Um, <laughs> gotta love it. He's great. Um, and he was, uh, What's Her Fuck was really good, too. Um, Julia Stiles. Julia Stiles, who I know was in a lot of stuff around that time, but I haven't seen a lot of things lately. Um, no, she was really good. Um, I think <laughs> the movie tries really hard to make the character unlikable uh, for, like, the first half. But, I don't know, I think she gives it a really good performance to that she never quite gets to unlikable territory. More just kind of, oh, you know, she's, she's, she has issues, I guess. Um, but, no, I really liked their chemistry. Uh, baby Joseph Gordon-Levitt was really he is, cute. He's he is so baby. tiny. He's so baby. <laughs> it's insane. Like <laughs> a little, little mouseketeer, Joseph yeah, Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> His little eyebrows were working overtime in this one. Um, the fa- I was like, is this, a, is this a high school or a college? And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt shows up, and I was like, okay, it's a high school. And then Heath Ledger shows up, and I was like, no, it's a college. I- <laughs> I'm having trouble here. Yeah, Heath Ledger is out here looking like a whole-ass man. Both of these movies have that problem. (laughs) Yes. Where it's completely unclear uh, if it's a high school or a college. And you're like, no, it's a prep school. No, it's a private school. No, it's a... I love that even in-universe Heath Ledger isn't getting uh, ID'd or anything. He's constantly just drinking at bars, like, walking in like, hey, what's up? (laughs) Yep, buying cigarettes, drinking beer. I know, I know. (laughs) And yeah, Uh, he's also, for some reason, in high school. (laughs) um so my i this is not my first time seeing this movie uh i've seen it quite a few times uh i i actually really dig this movie it is a guilty pleasure for me the first time i saw it uh (laughs) setting the stage first time i saw it i was in middle school and uh one of my buddies showed it to me keep in mind this is the same guy that like we would have movie nights uh about once or twice a month and this is the same guy who I watched Evil Dead with for the first time. We watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Dead Alive. And then one day, uh, I'm like, all right, hey, what are we going to watch? And he's like, dude, trust me. We're going to watch <laughs> things I hate about you. And I was like, okay, change of pace. And and I, I've enjoyed it since. It's a, it's a fun watch. It's a great guilty pleasure movie. Justin, feel no guilt in your pleasure. <laughs> that that is, I, those are my words of wisdom to you. I don't know. I I, I grew up I super religious. I feel guilty about everything. Oh uh, well, I mean, Sam, I'm just you got to power through it. 
Um, the, uh, speaking as someone who also grew up religious, this is far from the movie I feel most guilty about enjoying. <laughs> there are definitely ones <laughs> I feel more guilty about. <laughs> Justin means as a man. Yeah. Oh, as a man. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. We'll get we'll get into gender roles on yeah, this uh, episode. <laughs> no, I, I I love it when your buddy, who's normally just into showing you crazy horror movies, just hits you with the out of left field like. Bro, you gotta watch Love Actually. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out. <laughs> oh, I've never actually seen that one. It's just a little yeah. British for my tastes. What it's do this... I know? Yeah, so we mostly watched horror movies, but he hit me with this one. Uh, we watched Chasing Amy together. Uh, like... watch <laughs> That's that. a Kevin Smith movie. That doesn't count as. Kilb's like, bros watch Kevin Smith. Bros watch movies, Kevin Smith. Right? That's a thing. Bros watch Clarkson. And they're like, oh man, I love Kevin Smith. I'm going to watch everything he does. And then watch Chasing Amy. And like, was I just forced to watch film? <laughs> Art? Hey, what is this? What is Kevin Smith? Like the intersection of nerd and bro. That's a scary, dangerous intersection right there. I don't like that intersection. Justin, what's your reading on that accuracy of Justin, that you seem like a Kevin Smith guy. He is a Kevin uh, Smith guy. Uh, uh, Kevin Smith is like, if you are a white boy, uh, you will eventually come across Kevin Smith movies, and you may or may not base a large portion of your personality on those films <laughs> for a year or two. And then you own all of the DVDs because you're holding on to something. And then eventually, as you get older, you slowly, slowly sell them to a secondhand store and move on with your life. And that's right. <laughs> I've heard Clerks and Chasing Amy are actually good. No idea about the other ones. Um, anyway, this is not a Kevin Smith episode. And neither nope. will that be happening during our director's month. <laughs> little teaser there for you guys. Um um, okay, but but yeah. So ten things I hate about ten you. things I hate about you, Stephanie. Why don't you lead the discussion? Because you actually notes. have no. notes. I know. I actually took notes on these ones, partially because I was bored. <laughs> Just kidding. Partially because uh, we're huge nerds who love Shakespeare. Yes, I, I do love Shakespeare actually. And so you know what's what's funny about this is that I think that as much as these movies are products of their time, they are actually rather true to the spirit of Shakespeare, as we mentioned before, because the sh- the the spirit. Of of Shakespearean comedies is very much this dumbass fucking comedy of errors, uh, comedy of Comedic like, misunderstandings. misunderstandings. Yeah, which are tropes that modern audiences, modern audiences, <laughs> um, have kind of soured on. I feel, which is completely fair. I'm not the biggest fan myself. Like we were talking about. Uh, the much hated trope of everything could be cleared up if two people would just talk to each other. I totally understand that. However, I will give it to these these movies. I feel like the the type of comedy they are based on is very true to that right. original source material. She, she's the man is can be ultra cringy, but it so it it relies on you being willing to give it the same amount of suspension of disbelief that you would give a Shakespeare comedy if you were seeing it live on stage. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, the the dramatic irony aspect, that's not the only type of, of comedy, of course, but dramatic irony being, like, when the audience knows something that the character doesn't and, like, having to suffer through that, kind of, like, that's, that's a big thing in these. Um... And, of course, yeah, all the mistaken identity, misunderstandings, everything like that. Uh, it's a little maddening at times, but I think it, yeah, it does kind of deliver that same kind of zany comedic energy that a good Shakespearean comedy does. Um, and, like, um, I think that... <laughs> so, 
the premise of Taming of the Shrew is just inherently insane. Like it doesn't make sense. It it's the it makes sense. In, it makes sense in the context of the time. You have to modernize it that's and come true, up with these crazy true. rules. So right, in, and they do their best. God in love the Taming them. of the Shrew. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Stephanie. My understanding is that tradition holds that the oldest daughter marries first, right? Yeah. And in the Taming of the Shrew, the More oldest daughter um, was she was mean and people didn't like her and she didn't want to get married but her younger sister wants to get married but since she is the younger sister she cannot get married until her older sister does Mm -hmm. so she has to like like other people have to like convince people like some dude to ask out her older sister so that and then everyone falls in love, happy ending. Yeah, it's basically the same thing where it's, like, a couple of different dudes want to get with the younger sister because she's, like, nice and popular and whatever, but they have to get the older sister out of the way first because of bullshit rules. And I think the way that they adapt it to a modern audience, it works fairly well. They have a, they, okay. they have a single dad who says that neither of them are allowed to date until they graduate. Which, you know, we've and all... they done that. Yes, there are people on this podcast who had to live by that rule. Yep. Um, or or we're, we're supposed to we're live supposed by to. it. We're supposed to. And <laughs> the younger daughter's like, that's not fair. Yeah, right, I know. <laughs> right. And so then the dad's like, yeah, well, when your older sister dates, you can date. Thinking right, that it's never going to happen. happen, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I buy it. But then along comes the Heath Ledger. that's a good way to get yourself out of that kind of conundrum admittedly um like yeah so that i don't know it's it is a little funny like i remarked to caleb it's like apparently these girls have never heard of the concept of just doing something behind your parents back like no they're good girls (laughs) cats not well, actually, Kat is, did do stuff behind her dad's back. Okay, that's true. She did, technically. She, she did date what's-his-name. Yeah. I oh, want to say Roy. Guy. Joey? Joey. Joey. Fucking Joey. <laughs> yeah. Roy. Say it, it's the same thing. Fucking Roy. Oh. No offense to our Royce and Joeys out there. <laughs> Roy's a dad name. I don't know. Look, man, the asshole in the next movie is literally named Justin, so, like, suck it the fuck up. Oh, you're right. I mean, to be fair, Justin was such a popular name in the 2000s, it had to have been, like, a popular, like, douchey name. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, that guy's <laughs> such a Justin. Oh, wow. What a Justin. Anyway, um, so let's see. Notes, notes, notes. Okay, so the big thing to know about Kat is that she's a shrill feminist, uh, as only <laughs> the 90s could deliver. Um, Written with all of the depth and nuance and <laughs> deftness of hand Yeah. that can... I. She's written about as well as like late season Brita in Community. Woof. It's yeah, actually that's that's a Brita. lie. That's a lie because Kat ends up getting a lot of depth once they stop once they let her stop being yeah. such a feminist. Well, but here's the thing. I will say this, like, as much as I kind of cringe with how her character is written, like the fact that they have her be like like why can't we read, like, Sylvia Plath or Simone de Beauvoir just when they're having an innocuous discussion about some male writer? I feel like that wouldn't be something that someone would say, but what do I know? Uh, I've never been a feminist. Oh, wait. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I will say that, though, I think that they don't really have her, like, disavow that. They just kind of have her become more of a person, 
Like, it's not like she ever has that moment where she's like, oh, actually, I really was a really shrill bitch, and I should have not acted well, that way towards all these nice men. That's, you know? uh, no, you're, I see what you're saying. I understand. It, it's because she's not, like, it's not her beliefs that are making her uh, standoffish and aggressive. She's using her beliefs as uh, an excuse to act that way because she has some pain that she hasn't. Yeah. Until she has that conversation with uh, Bianca and blah, blah, blah plot. Right. It doesn't feel like they ever had her really, like, disavow it or apologize for it. It It's just that she, like, kind of came into other aspects of her personality. So I'm not that mad about it. I just think some of the earlier scenes are a little cringe. (laughs) Yes. But to be fair, she's also in high school, and high schoolers, as soon as they get an idea in their head, (laughs) are really cringe about it. Do you guys remember when you felt strongly (laughs) about anything? (laughs) (laughs) Things about things, <laughs> not me. Um, but but yeah. So it, you know, it could be worse. Um, let's see. Da, da, da. So that yeah, that was my first note. Um, <laughs> uh, I also made a note of some of the like awkward quoting of lines from the original play. Like when baby Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just suddenly like, "I burn, I pine, I perish," and I was like, "Okay, calm down." <laughs> but, like, Simmer down. Yeah, power uh. down. Um, sweet love, renew thy force. Yeah. Don't talk to me like that in public. People can hear you. <laughs> okay, that was pretty funny because <laughs> they acknowledged it. Um, I also like the little meta note of what's his fuck the funny friend getting with the chick who's obsessed with Shakespeare. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of like oink. <laughs> uh, a lot of cameos in this one, and by that I mean like two. Um, the I didn't call it in the club scene. But I should have. The mm. band playing in the club is Letters to Cleo. That's Kay Hanley. Um, are they the ones who are in and, Parks and Rec? Yes. Okay. And then at the end, I was like, I bet that's Save Ferris. Stephanie's like, what? I was like, that's like the only famous ska band with a female lead singer. That's Save Ferris. And sure enough, it's Save Ferris. And the last song is um, a cover of I Want You to Want Me, uh, played by Save Ferris, featuring Kay Hanley. <laughs> wow. Oh, worlds to be a worlds. ska band playing at a high school prom. Uh, playing on the roof of a fancy-ass high school. I yeah, I didn't really get that, but I mean, cool. cool. <laughs> I, I just, I, we got to the prom and I was like, this has the energy of the Real Big Fish cameo and uh, what was it, Good Burger? <laughs> I I don't know any of these people. <laughs> this is Who are you people? This is gibberish to me. Yeah, I don't know. This is nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on, Stephanie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, Wait, yeah, hold on. The next time just... we're uh, together, we need to get drunk and introduce Stephanie to Ska. <laughs> oh, I've tried. I've heard, no, hey, okay. I've heard a little bit of Ska, and I don't hate it. I find it to be trumpet heavy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, so's jazz. Well, I'm not like the biggest jazz fan you'll ever meet either. I just, I'll just defend it to old white people who don't know what music is if it clawing them in the face. Amen. <sighs> okay. That's not the time. Anyway. Um, okay, uh, another note. Uh, of course, she's reading The Bell Jar. Uh, once again, a feminist written by someone who doesn't really know how to write a feminist. They were just like, uh, what do feminists like? Uh, yeah, yeah, Sylvia, uh, the bell jar. There you go. Um, so the I had to ask Stephanie what the bell jar was. Oh, my God. Of course I'm mad. What I'm not up on my feminist oh literature. My God. 
okay. Um, da, 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 yeah, yeah. So many Italians. I don't know. I don't remember why I wrote that. It just felt like there were a lot of Italians on screen. Um, <laughs> someone called someone Screwboy. I, I made a note of that. Screwboy. I love weird uh, 90s insults that no one uses anymore. Uh, so what was Fuckboy a term then? No. And they couldn't use it? or okay. I feel like no. I feel like fuckboy only came around like within the past few years. Wow. So screwboy was like the proto fuckboy. This predates it. Similar, yeah. We'll have to we'll have to go to cite Urban Dictionary on that one. Um. Uh, I hope his Italian friend gets laid with the, all the effort he's putting into it. Um. Uh, Caleb said the the Jewish friend, Jewish Italian. I don't know what. He yes. Is. Yes. The guy from Walk Hard, whose name I already forgot. He reads Italian to me. He, okay. David Crumholtz. David Crumholtz. There are, there are, there are Jewish you. people who are Italian. I need to stop That's, talking. I mean, he's from Queens, so I mean, the odds are good <laughs> any which way you cut it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So the dad is creepy. I did not like him. It was like, I'm like, why are you, why are you talking to your daughters about like 15 year olds having babies and being impregnated and sperm and stuff? Stop. He's what? David Krumholtz. He was Bernard in the Santa Claus. We have this conversation oh God, every time Bernard. we talk about him. He's Bernard. I loved Bernard when I was a kid. I thought he was so hot. <laughs> yeah, how about now? <laughs> <laughs> you know I've never been turned off of a dude just because he was nerdy and tucked his polo into his khakis. Okay, that might do it. <laughs> Stephanie hates polos and tucked in shirts. And khakis. So imagine the, imagine <laughs> the combination. You're out, Bernard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, um, Bernie. Yes, the dad was a little creepy with the pregnancy vest and everything. The, oh, the yeah, harness. yeah, the way he made her wear the whole pregnancy harness. And I was like, stop. <laughs> who, who knocked up your sister? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah, so the dad's fucking weird. But I guess that was kind of intentional. That's what happens when you're a single dad who's also a doctor and presumably isn't home half the time. You, prob- you might get a little weird. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's getting to his brain. Yeah, uh, so, uh, really sad I never got to go to a proper teen party. Um, I did not attend a party until I graduated high school. Such a thing in these movies. Like, I, well, okay, it's, I went to a couple of, like, get-togethers at people's houses, but, like, not the kind of party with a capital P that you see with, like, people with red solo cups and being a little crazy, but not too crazy, and, like, uh, making out and dancing on tables and whatever at parties. I, I don't know. I'm really sad. I feel like I never really did that in high school. I feel like I was the kind of kid in high school where I would have been really appalled if I heard about other people doing that, but then if I got invited, I'd be like, okay. Like, yeah, <laughs> then I would have probably gone absolutely. crazy. <laughs> I, uh, I have a hard time watching movies like this and uh, movies where they're like freshmen in college <laughs> Because I am at the doorstep of 30 now, and every time I watch one of these, I'm like, uh, what a life wastage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I did party a fair amount in, in college. Um, let's not make any bones about that, but I did get really... Not all of us went away for college. Well, actually, yeah. well, Justin did too. I'm the only one here oh, who was a lame ass who stayed home. <laughs> I mean, we did have those houseboat parties, though, to be fair. Things got a little crazy there. Let's Just move on. Many- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing incriminating. Nothing incriminating. Yeah. <laughs> um, that and I wish I could go to those kind of parties. I also wrote uh, uh, also the lesbian bar. Or I am, I'm going to assume it was right. a lesbian bar. Kind of the ambiguous. lesbian bar. I guess it was in, a lesbian bar. I, in I which Heath Ledger was let in. 
Like, I, but that was the weirdest thing. It was like, okay, it stretches credibility to be like, here is a bar that a ton of women are at that lets men in, apparently, but there is only one man there. I don't believe that for a second. And like, like either, for, <laughs> either and for they some don't reason, let men in or. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. No, no, no. Either You'll they say, don't let men yours. in or they do let men in and there's a shit ton of dudes there. Like, those are the only options. What, Justin? <laughs> and for some Sorry. reason, Heath Ledger says he can't be seen there. Right, right like, and what? he knows the bartender? Yeah, he knows He's the on bartender. a first-name basis with the bartender. <laughs> now, why would a dude, a, why would a heterosexual man be like, oh, that bar that a ton of chicks are at all the time? I can't be seen there. Like He has a reputation to uphold at the biker bar. Honestly, it would make more sense if it was like a gay bar, like frequented primarily by gay men, if he said that he couldn't be seen there. I mean, it would still be stupid, but like it would make more sense. I don't know. It was a really weird thing, especially since, like we said, he knows the bartender. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Anyway, that place looked cool, and I want to go there. It looked looked fun. Um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, lots of things in this movie that I wish I could do that I can't. Um, Heath Ledger? <laughs> there are multiple reasons I can't do... You know what? Let's move on. Uh, yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> okay, so... Okay. Uh, yeah, implying that if he was still alive, I could totally get on that. <laughs> I mean, never say no. Let's move on. Okay. Um, okay. Um, anyone else have notes? Oh, wait. Kale didn't oh. take any. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you guys, see, I told you it would be just me at this episode. Yeah. <sighs> so he's like, Kale, do you want to take notes? And I was like, no. Both times. Both <laughs> movies we watched, I tried to get him to take notes. Nada. Ah. Um, I do have something to say about this movie. If I have one complaint about 10 Things I Hate About You, it's that neither of the main couples get enough screen time to feel like the main character. Hmm. Their their screen time is divided so much that they both end up feeling less important. The I, Justin? I kind of agree with you. I do think it leans a little bit into uh, uh, Cat and Patrick's relationship like uh, the scale definitely. tips towards them being the main characters i mean they're the ones on the poster even but i definitely see what you're coming uh, where you're coming from uh joseph yeah. gordon levitt's character and uh bianca i was just they were kind of there yeah <laughs> the the only production of taming of the shrew that i've seen uh, very much gave the impression that this was about this is about cat and um and and Stephanie. Oh, fuck. What? Pa Patricio? Patrick. <laughs> His name's Patricio in the, in the play. And I Patricio. guess Patricio wasn't a sexy um, enough name for this movie. So the way this is played, it's 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 really weird. But I, I don't know. I, I don't know how else you could have done it. I feel like the amount of screen time that they get is roughly equivalent to the amount of stage time that the couples in the original play get. Now, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I definitely haven't read it since then, but... I, that's the impression that I got. I feel like it was roughly equivalent. Um, I think what you, correct me if you, if you feel I'm wrong, but I think what you're thinking of in regards to the play is that just the stage presence and the dramatic stakes of Patricio and, and Catherine was a lot higher than with the other couple. Because the other, to me, it's very much like Much Ado About Nothing, 
like you have the the couple that is kind of a lot more charismatic and really pops on stage and then you have kind of the more traditional couple with their stupid stuff in the background yes exactly that's it that's my point you have the two characters you care about and then everyone else is bullshit (laughs) (laughs) i care about petruchio and what is it katarina yeah probably i I think she's called katherine and i care about beatrice and benedict everyone else can get shafted i don't care i well i don't i i don't know i thought little little fucking jgl and what's her face i thought they were cute enough they very much read like a younger romance like they didn't quite have like the complexity going on that the older ones did but i feel like that makes sense and like is true to the play Definitely, like the difference between sophomores and seniors in high school. Yeah, it's like yeah, a exactly. massive, massive jump. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it made sense. I, I didn't really mind it, and I think a lot of rom coms have kind of like their background pairings. I mean, she's the man had like a million, um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's kind of a little staple of the genre. Um, I, I don't know. I definitely get what you're saying. Like one subplot pops a lot more on screen than the other but it i think it made sense i feel like we were only this is a fairly short movie we were only given as many scenes as it took to make it work i feel like i wish we had gotten like one or two more scenes with patrick and cat yeah. It's just the the amount of screen time that we got, it was made to feel like they were that it was almost as important as the other relationship, but that one didn't feel important at all. So I I I don't know. It's just I wish there was just a scene or two more with with them. This one has like the opposite problem of she's the man where she's the man feels like it kind of drags like yeah. it feels like it goes yes. a long time with very little of import happening. You could cut 15 minutes from it easily. Yeah, easily. And Whereas this one, you know, it almost feels like you don't get quite enough. No, uh, I agree with you guys. Um, especially when the shoe drops about the the money situation uh, with Patrick and Kat. That is resolved, like, so fast. <laughs> You're right. That, for this genre, the way they love to milk these stupid misunderstandings, I really thought that was going to get drawn out more, but... It literally, all that happens is, or the only time they interact. Now, the, she does have scenes in between then. Like, you know, she, she finds out about the money. She's offended. She storms off. Uh, she tells Bianca, I think, about about what happened with her and Joey. So that that kind of is related, I guess. But it's not really related to the thing with her and Patrick. It's more just like her explaining why she is the way that she is. And then she talks to her dad and then, like, there's a lot of stuff that happens before she talks to Patrick again. So I get, like, I think it's kind of advancing the story, but it doesn't feel like it's relevant specifically to their relationship. Yes. And then she does the poem. And then right after that, like, they don't even really argue. He just comes and is like, hey, sorry. Uh, it's true. I did take money, but I actually do feel for you genuinely. And she was like, okay. And then they got back together, which I mean, is That's fine. how Shakespeare works. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Hey, look, but... here's a guitar. Yeah, <laughs> Forget yeah. all the things I did. 
I mean, that's fair. I can, I too can be bought. Um, but... I'm just saying, if, 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 if a man was paid money to take you out and then he spent all of that money on a gift for you, yeah, I no, feel like that's, that's a pretty convincing yeah. argument. Right. Here's, and I think it makes sense. Here's where I think Patrick went, uh, went wrong. You had several chances to come clean about the money. Uh, when you started having like serious feelings for her and you had a moment where you're being honest with each other, be honest then and be like, this idiot keeps giving uh, me money. Let's go on some expensive ass dates. Yes, exactly. You would have, like, <laughs> right. If a guy was like, if a guy framed it to me as let's scam this asshole together, like I'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, cool. Let's milk this for as long as we can. And I that's, hate that guy. <laughs> that's a movie I would watch is like someone gets paid to go out with someone else very early on. The cat's out the bag, but they try to pretend that they're not actually in love, like for a while to try to milk as much money as they can. Um, with complications, of course, ensuing inevitably, but still, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know, I hesitate because I'm like, on the one hand, I do kind of hate the whole third act, like, just kind of fighting for no reason thing that rom-coms do, but on the other hand, it's also like, if it gets resolved without enough conflict, it can can feel almost too easy, kind of hard to decide between those two. I, I don't know. It was fine, though. At least we got development for Kat in between those scenes, so. Yes. yes. Um, okay, anything else? Oh, I also said, <laughs> glad we were at least spared the ending speech from the play. So, I, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the play. Petruchio's speech? No, no, no. Uh, Kat's speech. Kat gets a speech? So, the end of the play, The Taming of the Shrew has a weird thing that happens that has kind of been debated about for, I guess, centuries at this point, (laughs) Uh, which is that Catherine, after being treated pretty badly by Petruchio, like definitely way worse than uh, fucking Patrick ever treats uh, Kat in the movie, like he's actually mostly pretty nice to her, like... In the play, he's, like, kind of an asshole to her because he's, you know, taming her. Sounds really grody to say out loud, but that's essentially <laughs> what's happening. Um, it ends up, like, she goes on this long speech that's essentially, all right, ladies, I know I used to be a bitch, but you know what? We all need to be nicer to men. And we need to be not bitches. Like, and so it's super weird that it's like a super long speech she goes off on. And I think the kind of the debate has always been, is it sincere or not? Like, is it meant to be like, she actually believes this now? Like, she's fully drunk the Kool-Aid and she's no longer shrewish. And in fact, she's so unshrewish, she's out here being like, we must always walk behind the men. <laughs> like, <laughs> this whole thing. Or is she still kind of, like, playing him? Like, that's not clear at all in the play. And it's something that is still kind of debated. Anyway, all of that is just to say that obviously never happens in the movie thank God, but um, <laughs> it's such a definitive moment in the play. It You kind of notice its absence, if you're familiar with that. If you're familiar with it. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't really know what my point was with that, just that it was interesting that that whole thing was omitted. No, it definitely would not have fit. 
No, it would not. It doesn't yeah. even really fit in the play itself, but <laughs> depending on how you look at it. But anyway, I, yeah, I think this, it was resolved pretty well. And like I said earlier, I appreciated that there wasn't really a moment where Catherine was like, wow, I really have been such a bitch. I really have been a, the, a shrew, the shrew that needed to be tamed. Yeah. Um, I that wonder really how much I wonder how much of how that is read uh, varies production to production. Like, is it uh, the actress can bring a level of sarcasm or not? So I wonder. I'm pretty I'm sure it interested. was in I, the production we saw. It's it was very, very much sarcastic. based on the director, and from all that I know about it, I feel like there are pretty much two ways that it's done in the modern day because any other way wouldn't really work. It's either the actress plays it pretty sarcastic and like usually like she's had a few and she's like going around being like oh the man and like and either that or i think more rarely it's played like depressing yeah she's like sad like a woman whose psyche has kind oh, of been gosh. broken <laughs> yeah i don't want to see that production. <laughs> no, yeah. God. i think that one is not done as much because it's not really as in keeping with the tone of the play right i don't want to go see the breaking of the shrew <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that's awful jesus christ yeah no uh i think that is another way you could play it but yeah totally i don't think it would work very well so it usually ends up being the former um, but yeah, in this one though, I think it was handled nicely. It was more that just like, she was happier. She wasn't like a different person. She was just not quite as bitter. So I don't know. Right. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, does anyone else have anything? That's mostly my notes. No, I think that's a good spot to end it. Mm -hmm. Justin? Yeah. No. Uh, good movie is good. And let, let me be clear. My, uh, my guilty pleasure for the movie has nothing it, uh, with it to do, or Nothing to do with it being a girly movie because that doesn't exist. But everything with it being a kind of schmaltzy high school movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the difference? Hey. I don't know. Hey. What do high school boys even watch? I don't fucking know. It's fucking Kevin Smith. Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> I don't know. That's Kevin Smith, music. Tarantino. Maybe. I don't I don't know what high school <laughs> dudes watch. I nor do I care. Um so yeah, that's uh yeah. That's ten movie. things I hate about you. Ten? Oh, Ten. You told me there were only seven. <laughs> <laughs> she has a limit. There's a certain amount she'll yeah. tolerate. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's more than nine, we can't deal. Okay. All um, right. We're going to go fix their marriage and we'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Justin here. Thank you so much for checking out our show. You may notice some audio issues during these early episodes as we're recording them in separate locations during quarantine. It is our intention to record in person once it's safe, but for now, we work with what we have. Please follow the recommended guidelines, wear your masks, stay safe, and enjoy the rest of the episode. All right, um, we are back from the break, and it is time to talk about She Who Is The Man, parentheses, 2006. Good night, everybody! <laughs> Speaking of movies and gender roles... Oh, boy. Is there somehow um, simultaneously a lot and not very much to unpack here? <laughs> Am I right? Um, okay, well, <laughs> uh, we should probably 
start with a discussion about the plot of Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night. A basic synopsis. Well, it's not about Twelfth Nights, really. I have no idea why it's called that. Um, presumably, it takes that's place the timeline. The I guess. Kind of like holiday. Um, Twelfth Night. I. It's a British thing. Takes. Pl- I guess. Okay. Um, it doesn't didn't... really have anything to do like thematically with it, though. Nope. Um, Viola and her brother Sebastian are shipwrecked and separated, and Viola, for some reason, has to pretend to be a man? What's the initial reason for that? I don't know. Honestly, that's one of the weaker parts in the play, in my opinion, is the justification for even dressing up like a man. It's like, something like their country and the country of Illyria are at war, and for some reason, I guess it'll be safer for her to dress as a man, even though I guess a man would be more likely to be presumed a soldier and, like, shot on sight. What do I know? Anyways, it's assumed that she would be safer dressed as a man, so she does. She dresses up. Like, and unlike in the movie, uh, sorry, unlike in this movie, she doesn't take on the name Sebastian. She just comes up with a different boy name for herself, which is Cesario, and she begins working for the Duke Orsino. Um, Channing Tatum's name is literally Duke Orsino. Orsino. (laughs) Like, Duke is even his nickname, as far as we know. His name is literally just fucking Duke. So that's great. Uh, She works for the Duke, who is in love with a countess or so, yeah. some lady of nobility um and then the lady falls in love with olivia and then conveniently at the very end her brother shows up and everyone gets to be with who they want to be with yeah more or less yay yeah. and there's a lot of people questioning their sexuality yeah. <laughs> or very explicitly <laughs> intentionally not questioning their sexuality right there's um <laughs> the audience does but the characters very specifically do not what? I'm trying to... I can't remember a thing. I'm trying to think of something. There's a thing on the fingernails on the surface of my mind. I'm not going to remember it. Move on. <laughs> Pretend I didn't say anything. Um, yeah, this one is very, very, um, no homo, um... Oh, I remembered Futurama, what? the freaking episode where Leela joins the army and oh, Zap Brannigan like falls in love with Leela as a man um, and starts to question his own sexuality because of how much he loves Leela as a man. So Mulan. Yes, that's another in, one. Sir. There we go. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, this is definitely a trope. Um, Did Shakespeare start it? Honestly? Shakespeare got it from Bugs Bunny, Shakespeare- obviously. <laughs> I will kill you just for saying that. <laughs> um, Shakespeare would have loved Looney Tunes, and I stand by that. Honestly, you're probably right. I feel like Bunch no, Bunny that checks very, out. He's a very Puckian character. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this movie. I don't know. It feels very true to its time, which is 2006. Not mm. a great year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for you. No, it wasn't a great year for me either. Oh. Sixth grade sucked. <laughs> I was 12, but mercifully, I don't remember much about being 12, so... Um, I was just starting high school. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I... the Okay. Amanda, Amanda Bynes. Main she character. is Amanda Bynesing it up. She, yep. Um... The whole, the entire intro sequence 
where they're playing soccer on the beach in their bikinis. I told Stephanie, I was like, this, this, the purpose of this whole sequence is to be, to, for the movie to be like, hey, audiences, Amanda Bynes has boobs now. Cause like, she was on Nickelodeon before and she couldn't, but now she's not. Yeah. That, I had completely erased that from my mind because it felt so disconnected to the rest of the movie. It did. Yeah. But yes. it sure was there. And they're just like splashing around on the beach and then she like is making out with the dude in the sand and then the movie starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the actual movie. Uh, yeah, and this movie, we might as well go ahead and jump into it. This movie is, like I said, about gender, but also has no idea what it's trying to say. No, it doesn't have gender. anything to say. <laughs> it, it, it's st- like if the ideas or the concepts are there, it's purely by accident. Um, well, it's like because it does the whole thing that it's like kind of cringily on the nose, where it's like. <laughs> They literally have dudes saying, girls just aren't as good. It's like, granted, that's the spirit behind a lot of what men say. But, like, it sounds kind of weird to just hear it said out loud like that. Um, it So much of it, it... Well, okay, that's the weird thing. Like, oh, so much of the actually, like, what happens hinges on her wanting to prove that she can play soccer as well as the boys can. Sure. But that is... So much of that, I don't know, proto-feminist messaging is completely forgotten in the entire middle part of the movie. Yeah. And it just only briefly comes back up at the end, which is why I kind of say that this movie, like, wants to say stuff about, like, gender roles, but doesn't know what it's trying to say. Right. It proposes ideas, but doesn't follow through on them. Like, there's the whole thing with her mom wanting her to be a debutante, learning how to, like, be a proper lady. Right. That isn't explored at all. I, I... what were you gonna say, Justin? Uh, no, I was just gonna say. No, I was just gonna say this movie is so on the nose that like her soccer coach at the beginning of the movie might as well have been smoking a stogie and just going, "Ain't no dames playing my kickball." Yeah. See, <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. And you know, I granted the two thousands were a wild, ungodly time. Like it, it might very wild well, west, baby. Yeah, it, it... <laughs> Justin. Damn, that shit almost, almost made him snarf, yo. <laughs> I mean, this was back when if you told a woman she had a small ass, it was a compliment. Um, <laughs> which already goes to show you that these were these were not the good times. These were the bad times. <laughs> um, so, but, but, yeah. So, it's very, it's very, like, very typical, like, Hollywood in the 2000s and, like... You know, girls can play soccer just as good as the boys. All right, which I want to reiterate how weird it is that we're adapting Shakespeare and also adding in the additional plot point that, hey, girls can play soccer just as good as boys. Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) I I also like how there are moments uh, in this movie that, uh, yeah, 2006 is when, like, we were inching closer to like gay marriage being legal and so there's still a thick layer of homophobia on a lot of it like Absolutely. when everything happens with Channing Tatum and he's like well that's weird <laughs> <laughs> this, today has been unacceptable <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna sit here and think about how, how unacceptable today was yeah it's that's 
I don't know. It. I hesitate to even critique it that much because it feels so of its time. That's like it's. Oh, absolutely. It does absolutely. So it, the, the, like the homophobia is just baked in, and right. it's supposed to be funny. But like, see, that's one thing I love about theater. Is yeah. everyone knows that all of theater is, is gay. pretty gay, <laughs> and so if you see a production of Twelfth Night, they're not allowed. They're they're not afraid to lean really heavily right. into this dude is starting to question his sexuality. Right, <laughs> he's this into. Well, you know or, what's cool. Uh, what's cool about actually, honestly, the, okay. So I was talking about the Twelfth Night movie adaptation. Um, the one that's actually Twelfth Night, so which came out several years before this, like it came out in the '90s. But there's a pretty like, I don't know, sensual might not be the right word, but like intimate scene <laughs> between Duke Orsino and Viola in her boyish disguise, um, where they're like, there's like low light, they're like talking to each other. It gets really tense for a second. Like they're in very close contact, like to the point that like it makes you squirm a little bit, but I feel like nothing like that happened in this movie. And that feels like kind of missing an opportunity. An adaptation of 12th night could easily be for every like could could easily be for straights and for gays and for like other aspects of the spectrum. Yeah, Just like yeah. everyone would have their own scene. Right. The, <laughs> it could be for everybody. This movie flirted with that tension a little bit in the spider scene, but it was dismissed instantly. The minute they like lock eyes, he yep. like shoves her away. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah Big it. no homo, all capital. Right. And that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like to, to really adapt 12th night, you have to be a little, bold you have to, with le- it. you have to lean into, you have to let it be a little homo. Right. Like, it's like <laughs> a little homo as a tree. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. And like, for instance, this movie didn't have the balls to have Olivia kiss her. Like the one time that she actually ran up and kissed Sebastian, it was actually the brother. It didn't have the balls for that to happen. It didn't have the balls for, um, you know, fucking what's his fuck, Orsino and Viola to have some actual, like, tensiony moments, like, uh, the way the play does, arguably. Um, like, I don't know. I feel like it could have been more rewarding if it, re- if it like, really leaned into that more. But once again, it was the 2000s and we were all scared shitless of that, apparently. So, I don't know. <laughs> I think, if anything, the 2000s were more homophobic because we were inching so much closer to uh, kind of a an awakening as far as, like, acceptance of LGBT people, like... Because we were getting so much closer to that and it was on people's minds, they were, like, more afraid to do it than they were in the 90s when it wasn't quite as much in the conversation. Right. The 90s was much more punk than the 2000s. <laughs> Look, punk pop, yeah. punk pop might have been the thing in the mid-2000s, but it wasn't very punk. It wasn't punk enough. No, it was too pop. <laughs> Apparently. Um, wow. Us here over with the yeah, hot yeah. social and musical yeah, commentary. So you would say pop punk was more punk than punk pop? Ah, no, I meant to say pop punk from the start, so no, don't quote me to me. Oh my god. We'll um, see. Never mind. This isn't a music This podcast. is, no. <laughs> We're not here to argue about Fall Out Boy and All-American Rejects. Stephanie, give us some notes. Uh, okay, give notes, us notes, some notes. Okay, notes. okay, okay. Um, uh, like 10 Things I Hate About You, lifting some of the names from the play, even when it's kind of ridiculous. Like the, the shorts school. that say Illyria on the butt. <laughs> I love those and I need them. Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's nice because Illyria does not discriminate by gender. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Um, gosh. Okay. As said by a Mark Strong wannabe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What was up with the coach? He was so creepy. I did not like his vibes at all. Uh, at all. He, uh... He's a he's an actor. I can't. I've seen him in other things before, but he's most famous. He is a professional football soccer player. Oh, <laughs> really? I'd believe that. Yes. He had that really unsettling sports dude energy that I don't like at all. <laughs> um, there's a lot of different forms of unsettling sports dude energy now that I think about it, but his was one of the darker ones. <laughs> this. <laughs> This movie has a lot of actors that feel like the cheaper versions of like other name brand actors. Oh like the 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 first soccer coach, the sexist one, he feels like mm-hmm. um, a knockoff version of Chris Sarandon. Um, the wow. the British guy, the British one feels like a knockoff uh, Mark Strong, and then her hairdresser friend feels like a knockoff Chris O'Donnell. Um, sorry, he looks like a knockoff Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> Man, that guy's hair, even for this movie, was about ten years too late. Uh, <laughs> that dude seemed like he was supposed to be the gay friend, but once again, they didn't really have the balls to like come out and say that he's gay. Only that he hangs out with two attractive chicks and has absolutely no sexual energy towards them whatsoever. So, right. And also apparently does hair or, or fashion or something. Yeah. But it was like, I don't know. Once again, gets into like the weird non-committal gender stuff that this movie does. It's like we're gonna, you, you know what we know what you're thinking, but like you're just gonna have you're to not, keep thinking it. Like we're not, you're gonna, not, say we're not gonna say it. Yeah, no, we're not going to say it. <laughs> no, God, no, Stephanie we, we would sooner die. Um, uh, okay, so God, um, Amanda Bynes' character in this, I just, I okay. So for one thing, like I said before, she's really Amanda Bynesing it up. Um, she. I haven't seen that many things with Amanda Bynes in it because I, that was a little before my time. Stephanie honestly. hasn't even seen Big Fat Liar. Um, you guys no, believe that? I haven't. I have not. Um, I feel like Paul's what your I'm gathering. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> what I'm gathering here is that she's very much like quirky, funny girl next door. I totally get it. I get that's the thing. She was like she is hamming young, that up hot so female large. Jim Carrey. Oh god, that's a terrifying <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Actually, no, that's it. That's how I describe it. That's the vibe I get from <laughs> just <laughs> I, I've never heard that before in my life, but holy shit. <laughs> does it does it grok? Does it click? Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like I'm with you. The, the, the scene, the scene where they're like, "Darling, chew like you have a secret," and she just goes full Jim Carrey with the face there when she's smacking her food. Come on, I. Uh. <laughs> Granted, she does make some pretty funny faces, but like her entire character is just word vomiting, stupid shit. Like uh, her, her as a boy. Her, her, it's, her playing uh, Sebastian. It's the most painful thing. It's so cringy. It's word vomit. It's why is she, um, n- not talking like a white guy? Um, I know, I know. She, try, trying to talk like a rapper the whole time. Honestly, um, that my main problem with her as a character, which it was funny at first, but after a while, I was like, there is absolutely no way this is still happening. Was that it? Every single opportunity she had to stay under the radar and play it cool and just, like, get away with being a boy in the background, she would just say things. Like, she would just 
blabber the most inane shit. Like, she would just talk. Just, uh, like, word vomit, which is what I'm doing right now. Ha <laughs> That's funny. Um, just, like, saying so many things, obviously convincing no one. Or not... They think she's a boy, but they're, like, really weirded out by her. So it's, like, it, every time she does this, Look, she has the option to just not. Right. This, this is a lesson for all the kids at home. Um, the under 18s listening to this, uh, first off, you shouldn't be listening to this. So, um, we're, (laughs) we're legally in the clear. Um, but second, if you want to get away with a lie, don't provide more information than necessary. Do not provide more information than asked for. Yeah. It was, her character is infuriating. So I agree with Stephanie. Every possible moment is she would just do the worst possible thing and then just keep going, which is just, Justin called it cringe and it very much is. Right. It just feels like at any point she could have just not, um, but she did. So that's honestly where so many of her difficulties come up is that she couldn't stop bullshitting. This is where this, what I mentioned earlier, this movie is asking for you to give it the same amount of suspension of disbelief as you would give to a Shakespeare play, but you just can't. It's a modern rom-com. The audience is going in with different expectations for it. When her and her brother are switching places back and forth at the very end and nobody else can tell the difference, a modern audience is like, we can see the difference. An audience sitting in a theater going to watch Shakespeare is like, it's a play. They can only do so much, you know? It's not even kind of close uh, for them to be twins. No. (laughs) That's the thing, like, and that's why I also think that Amanda Bynes was miscast as, like, as funny as she was, she has such a, like, I don't know how to put it, like, a childish face. Like, she has a button nose, round cheeks, like, she does not, even at her most boyish looking, she looks like she's 11, like an 11-year-old boy. Like, she does not look like a teenage guy at any point. Like, and she's, stop me if I'm wrong. Uh, but it looks like she is wearing almost a full face of makeup, even <laughs> yeah, in guy form. Yep. <laughs> that might just be her face. Like, she honestly might just have flawless skin and, like, dark lashes. <laughs> God, I hate her. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but, um, but yes, it... And what's more, even if she did look convincing as a guy, she doesn't really look that much like the guy who plays her brother. And I no. know that there's only so much that you can do... <laughs> You know what? They should have gotten like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal. For the energy in this movie would be so different. Oh <laughs> my god! So <laughs> 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 It'd be m- much more somber. It would be so indie and depressing, and I would love it. It would be great. There would have um, been one scene of him in London. Like the reason why he came back early is because he lost his shit on someone in London. <laughs> Smashed a guitar over someone's head. That sounds great. No, actually, I liked the what few interactions there were with her and her brother. I honestly felt like that was the only really believable relationship in the entire movie. Like, because they actually had a certain degree of chemistry where they, like, I don't know, seemed to bounce off of each other really well. And, like, there was just a higher energy in their scenes, which makes sense if they're playing, like, twins, which I think they're supposed to be. But, like, every other relationship in the movie just... Every time she talked to Channing Tatum, I was just like, what is happening? Who are these people? It was an awkward vibe the entire time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of that is to be expected, given the circumstances, but, like, 
Oi. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I don't know. It Channing Tatum. Let's talk about Channing Tatum for a second. In this movie. I, Ste- I don't Stephanie know. said that uh, the, the little baby Channing Tatum hadn't quite figured out how to act yet. <laughs> and I posited that we, we cannot tell if he is acting good or bad or not because of the nature of how nervous the character is it would be very easy for like it to be played by a seasoned actor knowing what they're doing it's just the the nature of the character giving off that energy of that uncertainty you know of of, of a mediocre or untrained actor yeah i mean i know yeah he's supposed to have an awkward energy for sure i just feel like it was hard to tell how much of it was the character and how much of it was the actor. Yes. You know? Um, I don't know. I And it could just be that I've met this kind of guy and I don't care for them. Like, <laughs> But just, like, the whole, like, I don't know. The vibe was weird. Just, like, the super just hyper-masculine at all times. Just, like... Just the way he talked, I was just like, just be a person. <laughs> just, like, just say things. Just don't be afraid of your own shadow. Like, but I get that that's a thing that also happens to men, like, in real life. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm not the one to speak on it. It was just really weird. If you told anyone I opened up to you, I'll kick your yeah, ass. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It was just super weird and, like, I don't know. But I guess Man, even I so, I did know guys like that in high school, so what do I fucking know? Yo, man, Caleb can vouch. <laughs> we be emotionally honest with each other and crying. What a... <laughs> <laughs> you realize now I have to kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, see, but see, I liked the brother. I liked Sebastian. He, had seemed, he literally seemed like a real person who, like, could utter a sentence, like... Yeah, I don't know about his band. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it's just say, I, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if that's because of his like very small amount of screen time. Like he's Probably. the character we had to see the least, and we're like, oh, you're the most believable. <laughs> <laughs> he also, granted, wasn't supposed to be the same level of awkward that Channing Tatum's character was. Like uh, Sebastian doesn't really have any issues. He's just like, yeah, I just want to do my band. Like I, I'm just annoyed that I can't. Like yeah, he's, so... he just he goes with the flow, man. He shows up, this chick yeah, makes yeah. out with him. Cool. cool. He gets thrown yeah. onto the soccer field. <laughs> Apparently, he's on the team now. He fucking rolls. Cool. With it. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, he is having an 80s uh, teen movie <laughs> while everyone else is having a 2006 teen. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, right. It's Stuff is just happening to him and he's just rolling with it, which granted is kind of how the how it goes in the play for Sebastian as well. Yeah. He's just kind of like, this might as well happen. Like, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, just a weird energy... I don't know if I completely buy it. Um, Gosh. Yeah, a lot of weird energy. I mean, that's the thing. Like, in a comedy, you can only expect people to act like people so much. Because, like, real people aren't really that funny. You know, they're just kind of boring, mostly. Kind of depressing. Um, So, like... (laughs) Speak for for yourself. (laughs) Shut up. I'm not boring. Someone throw a pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. That was, that was just kind of the thing for me. I was like, 
no one here is what is doing what I feel like a regular person would do in this situation. But also, on the other hand, can you expect that from this kind of story? Right. Like, I so I don't know. Um. Oh God. What else? Uh. So many hijinks. I. I Stephanie does not like hijinks. I. Okay. Okay. It. it <laughs> to us. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. Trying to justify to a certain extent, I like hijinks. Okay. Now tomfoolery. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever there is tomfoolery and joy, I'll be there to Uh, rain on the parade. Where do you stand on rabble rousing? Oh my god, rabble rousing! I can get with. No, it's okay. I'm trying to figure out how to describe this. Like in Moulin Rouge, which I'm sure we'll talk about on here at some point by sheer force for me, if necessary. (laughs) Um, There's some hijinks that happen that feel very Shakespearean rom-com. Like with the whole, they're having to come up with a fake musical on the fly to like cover for Christian being where the Duke was supposed to be. Um, Those are pretty blatantly like hijinks. Like, okay, this is, this wouldn't happen. But also it feels so heightened that it kind of makes sense that it happens. You're like, sure. Um, And this one is kind of like that too, but I feel like not quite enough that I completely buy it. Like one of the worst offenders for me was the, um, the scene kind of early on where like the ambiguously gay friend uh, sets up this thing where these women come into the restaurant and, like, are basically like, I'll always love you, Sebastian. Like, but it, he's like, oh, that's nice, babe, but I gotta play the field. And I was like, sure. Yeah, sh- sh- fucking sure. But And then another one comes right, in. Right, right. It, and the whole thing is, like, I'm mad that it works. I'm not mad that they set it up. Because it seems like the kind of dumb thing that she would try to set up to try to get out of uh, get out of it. But I'm mad that it actually convinces the dudes who are watching it. They're like, oh, dude, Sebastian, you're so cool because you broke up with some chicks in a restaurant. I, it, I <laughs> do. I, it's so unnecessarily mean to that woman. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. And it's just like, I'm really confused about which part they think is cool because they didn't like him him her who right they didn't like him before that they thought he was annoying one okay i have three thoughts floating around (laughs) uh one the number the number of women that that's happened in that scene is is excessive no yes excessive just one is where you cut it off that's all you need um, two, why are these dudes impressed by it? I, I mean, I guess they're just like, yo, this dude attracts hot chicks. We got to hang out with him. Three, there is no reason to be mean to Monique before this point in the movie. Yeah. She does not do anything mean or quote unquote crazy until after this, po- this scene. Right? I don't know. Viola just no, I- doesn't like her. I mean, that's true. It, that is established. But also like Vi- Viola couldn't have Monique see her. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. uh, 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 Like, I'm not. I'm not so upset with how Viola handled it. I'm just upset at the entire restaurant. Not even just the guys that were with, quote unquote, Sebastian. The entire restaurant is cheering. Yeah, and then everyone clapped. I don't buy that. No, it's literally, and then everyone clapped. 
I don't buy that for a second. Like, if someone did that in a restaurant in front of me, I'd be like, okay, I'm good. Check, please. Like, <laughs> I, I'm out of here. There's too much drama in this pizza place. Right, and the thing is, they didn't even really have her slash him, Sebastian, do anything particularly cool. Like, just, like, having chicks come up to you and be like, oh, I love you so much, but I guess it's over, and then just leave, and you try to be like, oh, sorry, babe. Like, that's not really anything. That's just kind of a normal human interaction, I guess. I don't know. I just, I, I'm... It... <laughs> the 2000s were a crazy time. <laughs> I don't understand Do... them at all. I don't. I don't. The... Perhaps we should m- move on to the next yeah, note. Yeah, I've belabored this enough. Um... Well, no one else has any notes, so nope. I guess I'll just look at I know mine. that's not the end of yours, though. No, I have a shit ton. Um, yeah, I've never, never seen a kissing booth in real life. Never even heard of one. Um, seems like a, not a great concept. Um, Good way to get mono. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's like the mm-hmm. PG um, glory hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and cold open. <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. Uh, um uh yeah, I just uh not to belabor this point, but uh so why is she so into this guy when he talks like he has a washcloth in his mouth? Um not hard to guess which characters that's about. Um uh Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum? Yeah, yeah. Talks like he has a washcloth. He's like super, like, every time he talks, he's like, he's like, then he talks like, he talks like he has a washcloth in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm sorry. It's, look, girl, I've been entranced by a face or a a six-pack before, but, like, other than that, I don't really see what's happening here. Like, I don't feel like there's any, other than... The point where they've already kissed and he's talking about like what he would be like in a relationship but she was already way into him before that i don't really see like what she's into here like i don't i don't know or to the extent that she is like he has the charisma of an empty coke bottle <laughs> i don't know a pretty exterior he was learning He's looking. Channing Tatum was learning. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not even saying, like, honestly, I used to think Channing Tatum was not that cute, but I, I see it now. I mean, I I get it. Like, he's cute for sure, but it's like, like, I don't know. Uh, for her to be as into him as she is and trying as hard as she is with him, I don't really see, like, I don't really buy it. It's high school. That's sure. going to be my sure. counterpoint. You know what? Yep. You're right. That's probably true. Like, for sure. For sure. Like, if this was Heath Ledger, but it's not. (laughs) So I don't really understand. (laughs) I don't know. She's like... Uh, She's doing so much for washcloth mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. While we're we're speaking of Channing Tatum, I I found this uh, hilarious quote from Amanda Bynes in 2018. uh, I guess she was doing an interview and someone asked about this movie, of all things. Oh. Uh... (laughs) And uh, she said about Channing, quote, I totally fought for Channing uh, to get cast in that movie because he wasn't famous yet. He had just done a Mountain Dew commercial. And I was like, this guy's a star. Every girl will love him. 
But the producers were like, he's so much older than all of you. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Trust me. Oh, wow. (laughs) He does come off older. Like, he does. But good for Amanda. Jeez. I guess Channing Tatum owes her. Him and Justin both read a lot older than the rest of the cast. They're like our, they read like our age, at least. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah but but i mean hey you know good good for him he he's and doing stuff now, now he's arguably more famous than she is woof what did happen to amanda Bynes? something happened probably something depressing something bad i hope she's okay i hope she's doing okay oh. yeah good times kind of the Lindsay Lohan thing <laughs> that's a fun note to end on do right? we have any 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 Final thoughts? Any notes we um, missed? No, I don't... I think we've said more about She's the Man than anyone has in, uh... Ever. S- uh, yeah, 15 years. Yeah. I'm. That's about all I got. Um, It was alright. It was a little too long. A little too long. Really super cringy in some parts, but yeah. overall not a... I wouldn't call it a negative movie-watching experience. experience. It's a neutral so... to slightly positive. Both of these movies, and it's not either of these movies' fault. Maybe it's She's a Man's fault a little bit because it came out afterwards, <laughs> but I had seen both of these movies long after I had seen Not Another Teen Movie like 20 times because it was always running on Comedy Central. Um, and especially 10 Things I Hate About You is parodied. Uh, heavily in that film. So I think I I saw that movie before I saw uh, really any rom-coms in my life, and especially teenage rom-coms, and that has just ruined the experience for me. Uh, Not saying... uh, I can't even comment on the quality of Not Another Teen Movie, because I haven't seen it in so long, but it's just... It was everywhere around the period I that this movie specifically that. came out. I haven't seen it either. I have not seen it, no. I've heard it's actually uh, okay. Well, That's maybe we'll movie. get to it. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know if I trust uh, uh, elementary and middle school Justin, but we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot here that's ripe for parody because so much of it follows the exact same patterns and, like, character archetypes. Yeah. Like, to a T. Um, so many so many slow pans up unremarkable legs to <laughs> even less remarkable asses. Um, so much. <laughs> but that's that shot where they're like, yo, chuck up the asses on those chicks. And it's just like, bust out the binoculars because I can't see them. <laughs> where? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's the 2000s, like I said. Wore a wild, godless time. Um, and we don't like to think about them. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's, uh, yeah. Big, big late 90s, 2000s energy from both of these to varying degrees of success. Uh, gosh, what are we doing next week? Next week we're doing something. Stephanie requested something more serious next week. I, I'm saying next week, Titanic and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I'm so excited. Me too. I've and never seen either of them. That will be next week's installment, so you guys can look forward to that. Um, very different energy. <laughs> <Your first house. laughs> very, 
very different energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that that's fun. Uh, yeah, we're going to try to mix it up this month. We're going to do, like, light and frothy, then sad and historical, then fun again, and then more sad, and somehow also historical. Wow, I tend to follow some patterns here. That's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with having a brand. Uh, do we have anything else, guys? I got nothing. No. I've said my piece. Look, can we can can we do a, a needle drop here of some pop <laughs> Some song? all American regions. God, I wrote down spiritual bad reputation needle drop during the soccer game. Oh. I swear to God, it wasn't bad reputation, but it was something that sounded like it would be bad reputation in a different movie. Thank you for saying that. I just remembered something about ten things I hate about you. Oh. The fact that the movie opens with one week by the bare naked ladies, right. but it's a remix in which some parts it feels pop poppier and then other parts it feels more hip hop. And then, which is really weird already, like a more a hip hop beat underneath one week. And then, and then cat pulls up and she's blasting bad reputation. And you're just like, Oh, <laughs> she's not like other girls. She'd rather listen to Joan Jett than the yeah, bare naked yeah. ladies. <laughs> Yeah, you know how much bitches love the bare naked ladies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a thing. Why is everyone so quick to defend that bitch? <laughs> the bare naked ladies are triple platinum, Justin. Are you? <laughs> My name's Caleb. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at actual underscore Caleb. Uh, my name's Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on Letterboxd at Ray's Left Boob. My name's Justin. You can find me on most social media at Layman on Butler. You can find the show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. Hell yeah. All right, guys. We will catch you next week with a little more love coming your way. Good night, everybody. Night. Love ya, but not before we have a little drama. <laughs> That's the way I like it, baby. Thank you so much for listening to our show. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at SoundsFamiliar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at SoundsFamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Be sure to check her out on Instagram at ChelseaBHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar.